Welcome to the Cashflow Chronicles. I'm your host, Johnny Catani, and the founder of Catani Capital Group. For the last two years, I've been studying alternative assets and now help solve the problem of creating passive cash flow for creators, influencers, and busy professionals by bringing you five episodes a week of easy to understand education in the world of passive investing. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Chronicles. I'm your host, Johnny Catani. Happy hump day, everyone. Hope everyone is having a great week. Hope you all had a great weekend. As you know, if you listened last week, I was in South Carolina for my brother's little brother's high school graduation. Uh, it was really nice to see the family. He is the last one of the siblings out of the house. My mom and stepdad are officially, unofficially empty nesters. I mean, still got to go off to college and all that, but it was really awesome to see the family. My sister also moved out there last year. So I got to see her and spend some time with her up in Charleston. She lives about two and a half hours away from my mom. And I got to see one of my favorite comedians, Nate Bargatze. If you are not familiar with him, check him out. He is hilarious and even funnier in person. It was great too, because I've seen a lot of his specials and he didn't tell a single joke that I've heard before. So absolutely laughed until I cried. It was awesome. Hope you guys had a great weekend. Hope your week is going very well. Okay, so I teased it last week. I had a call with an investor. I ran out of time, unfortunately, last week because I had technical difficulties and I had to go catch an airplane. So I kind of touched on a little bit initially of the conversation and I teased what uh, we were going to talk about this week, which is diversification, how to be diversified, how to, how to be diversified correctly. So that is what we're going to talk about today, which I'm very excited about because it's very, very important to have a diversified portfolio. And this does not just mean real estate. This means your investment vehicles and the assets uh, that you invest in. So we are going to touch on all of that, what diversification means. But first, you guys, before we get into it, Go to thecashflowchronicles.com, same exact name as the podcast, thecashflowchronicles.com, and sign up because my video series is almost ready, the five steps to becoming to your first passive investment. So if you're a new investor, this video series is for you, which I know, I'm assuming a lot of you are. I know that that some of you aren't because I've had calls with a lot of you that are already sophisticated and veteran investors. So that's not for you and that's okay. But if you're a new investor and you wanna learn kind of the initial stages and the easy steps to understanding passive investing, then go to thecashflowchronicles.com and sign up for the video series. I'm very excited because that will be out soon. Also, update on the debt ceiling. You guys know I've been keeping you updated on this. We still have not made any headway. Basically, what it's coming down to now, what I've learned is the latest, is that Biden is back on the campaign trail uh, for 2024. He's going to run again to try to represent the Democrats. We're not going to get into that. But basically, what he's admitting is that he's going to have to concede something to the Republicans. And he knows that if he concedes something, that it's not going to be a good look amongst the other Democrats, which ultimately could lead to him not getting the Democratic nomination, which means he wouldn't be able to run for a second term. However, you guys, there is something very, very important to make note of here. 
the Republicans are trying to are trying to get the country to operate as a business, which in a business, in the very, very basic sense of it, and, and also you should be operating your personal balance sheets like this as well, your personal budgets, you should not be spending more than you're making. And currently, the government is spending about $10 for every $1 that it brings in. So that's not, oh, sorry, uh, excuse me, $50. Uh, sorry, $50 for every $1 that it brings in. So that's the equivalent of making $1,000 and having $500,000 in debt. So you can extrapolate that across the basically 31 trillion in debt and the basically 50 billion more or less that we bring in in, uh, in revenue. So for those of you that may not agree you know, with certain things uh, politically, I think we should all agree that we should not be spending more than we make. And the and listen, if you come from the tech space, you're used to that because you typically just burn cash until you get acquired or go public. And this is not a tech company, you guys. It's not a startup. It's not the startup world. And it should not be operated as such. Uh, a good point of that is I talked about the media bankruptcies that have been plagued, Buzzsprout, Vice, they operated as tech companies. And essentially they were spending more money and only leveraging social media. And when social media started changing its algorithms and no longer put an emphasis on like clickbait titles and more on, you know, basically paying to play, you had to pay to play. And if you didn't have the money to pay to play, your clickbait, your you know ads fell by the wayside and you're seeing the downfall of that the uh, effects of that right and it's the same thing here we've been taking on debt to cover our debt selling debt to cover our debt when you sell bonds you're selling debt and while it works in the beginning it can't work forever because eventually you have to pay that debt back on those bonds you've got to pay the interest you got to pay the principal back and that's what's happening. And so I say all this to say that basically Biden is admitting that he's going to have to concede some of that and bring down some of the spending. And a lot of that is going to be taken from the, I shouldn't say a lot of that's going to be taken, but some of the emphasis has been on making it more difficult for, for the lower class, the those below the poverty line to get on food stamps and welfare, meaning they're going to have to contribute more to society in order to qualify for that, which, you know, I get it. There's a lot of people in, in really bad places and they can't work for many different reasons, but we can't support them and also continue to grow the, our own economy and also support the global economy. So we have to choose, right? And so it's really going to come down to what what are we going to choose? So that's the update. There's still no update. Uh, it's a bipartisan decision, as I mentioned before, that we cannot go into default. So I do believe that a deal will get done. But personally, it feels like a lot of noise. 
ultimately, when you break it all down and you look into it, we know that we can't, we're not going to go into default. We can't afford to do it. It's bipartisan. So really, it's a bunch of noise. The Republican, the, the hardcore Republicans are just trying to make a bunch of noise, trying to flex their leverage that they control the House and that decision will have to come through them when really they're just trying to get some spending. The Democrats are pretending like they're not going to concede to the Republicans because that's what they have to do. And the president's trying to pretend he's got to save face. You guys, it's a whole bunch of noise. We're going to figure this out. We always do. We're going to be fine. The world is not coming to an end. So there you go. That's my take on that. So let's get into diversification. Okay, first, let's define diversification. Diversification is defined as in large or vary in range of product or field or operation. So what does this mean? Well, you can diversify uh, your investments. So you can be invested in real estate. You can be invested in the stock market. You can be invested in crypto. Just those three alone would be a diversified portfolio. Then you can diversify within them, right? In crypto, you can diversify amongst NFTs, different projects, different coins. Within real estate, there's a gazillion of them, right? You've got uh, residential, so you can do a single family. Within single family, you can break that up into long-term and short-term rentals, so Airbnbs and long-term rentals. You can do multifamily. Within that, you can do you know, A class, B class, C class, which is basically the the class of, of asset that it is. Within that, you can do uh, market. Within that, you can do submarket. Within that, you can do cash flow and appreciation. So real estate really provides, from my experience, the most appreciation within staying within that asset. The stock market provides a ton as well, of course, but ultimately they're all publicly traded companies and they all kind of operate off the same things, meaning like if you invest in tech stocks, it wouldn't make much sense to invest in a mutual fund that also invests in tech stocks. So if you want to individually pick your tech stocks, it wouldn't make much sense to also go invest in a mutual fund or an ETF that tracks tech stocks because that's the same thing, right? Whereas if you if you love a certain market, for instance, if you love Austin, Texas, or let's say Phoenix, let's use one I actually like, or Tulsa, let's use one I've actually been doing a lot of research on. Let's take Tulsa, right? Up and coming market, a lot of great economics, very favorable to investors. You could invest in multifamily and sell storage in Tulsa, and that would be two different uh, investments within that uh within that market, right? So you can diversify amongst the assets in a certain market. Whereas if you invest in a tech ETF and a individual tech stock, that ETF most likely has a, a percentage of its portfolio in that stock. For those who don't know, an ETF is, a, is an extreme exchange traded fund. It's a fund, just like a mutual fund, but it trades like a stock, meaning the price changes constantly and you can, and it's liquid like a stock, meaning, you know, you can check the price, you know, every minute and it's changing. Meanwhile, it's broken up into various investments, whereas a mutual fund, an open-end fund as, as they're typically, you know, as a mutual fund typically is, 
it, it, it trades on what's called a NAV, a net asset value. And that net asset value is calculated at the end of every day. So let's say it's a tech mutual fund. You will basically, let's say you, you invest in it in a given day. Let's say, you know, today I invested in it, right? You won't know what price, what uh strike price or cost basis you're getting in at until the end of the day when the fund is priced out. So everything that the fund invests in, so let's say it's all tech stocks, whatever the, whatever the percentage is, you know, let's say it's, you know, 30% Apple, 20% Microsoft and, and so on and so forth, right? Till you get to hundred percent, whatever those close at the day and then their respective of percentage of that fund all gets closed out, then all gets put into a net asset value. And then that net asset value is given for the day. So you won't be able to know. And and same when you sell it, right? I, I place a sell order during market hours, but I won't know my sell price until the end of the day when the net asset value is calculated. So that is a in-depth look at diversification and how you can diversify amongst the different investment vehicles as it relates to this investor call that I talked about and, and, you know, sort of as it relates to determining your investment thesis, it's important to diversify in the sense that, you know, you don't want to invest with the same operator in the same asset class in the same, uh, in the same market every single time. Well, let me rephrase that. Again, disclaimer here, you guys, I am not a financial advisor, right? So this is not financial advice. This is merely for use for educational purposes. You should consult your own CPA, attorney, financial advisor before you make any financial decisions. However, from my experience, what I have learned is that you want to be careful investing with the same you know, the same person and only doing that. Now, listen, there are people who do it and they're very successful, but the best investors do not do that. The best investors are diversified amongst asset, asset class, market, uh, submarket, and operator. So that means even if I love Tulsa and I love multifamily, that means not investing with the same operator in Tulsa multifamily right? That means even diversifying amongst that potentially. Now that might be a bit of a stretch, right? Uh, because ultimately when you find a good operator, especially in a market like Tulsa, that's still up and coming, you want to be careful going too crazy because you guys, again, to let you know too much of a good thing is no longer good. You can over diversify and be too diversified to where you're not actually like helping your portfolio and growing your wealth your your spread too thin right so so you want to be careful so for me like what i would look at is okay uh market asset asset type that's really as far as i'm gonna go and then i'm gonna identify the operator and then i'm gonna do my due diligence on that operator and ensure that that's a good operator and then i'm going to invest uh with that operator for me, what I look at is I uh, currently am more focused on cash flow than I am on, say, like uh, multiplying my 
my um, my equity. So, for instance, what that would look like is, um, you know, this oil and gas deal is it's a it's a great example of both because it's 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 going to pay you know fourteen to twenty one percent annual cash return and um, uh, a three and a half x equity multiple. So this is a really good opportunity of of really being able to capitalize on both. But uh, what's very common, for instance, would be like a, a great example is um, the short-term rental portfolio, TechVestor short-term rental portfolio. Our fund, it's a 9% preferred return, right? That's a really, especially in today's day and age, that's a, that's a high uh, pref. That's a high preferred return. But the equity multiple is is uh, like 1.86, right? So it's not even it's not even doubling our money in three to five years, right? Uh, conservatively. Now, if things go well and and things are going very well with that fund, especially the first fund, um, we're coming up Q4. It'll be fully stabilized and it'll be the first quarter of fully stabilization. So I'll have more for you. Um, you know, Q1 of next year when we get that Q4 distribution. But essentially what we're looking at is, is that's a cash flow play over, over um, a growth play, right? Whereas uh, as my cash flow starts to grow and I start to actually be able to save up and, and not necessarily need my cash flow. And, and a lot of these investments that I'm invested in uh, start to go full cycle. Eventually what I'll do is I'll shift from, you know, 80% cash flow and, and 20%, you know, equity multiple or 20% growth to probably more of a 50, 50, maybe even a 60, 40 growth, because eventually what'll happen is as I'm starting to raise more capital and, and capital raising and my active income from capital raising actually starts to be a significant amount, meaning, you know, I'm raising tens of millions of dollars a year and I can actually make a living off of, you know, the basically, let's just call it 2% for the sake of this, you know, you're basically, you know, you know, you, let's say you raise, you know, $10 million in a year, right? 2% of that is, well, 2% of a million is what 20,000. So that's, yeah, it is 20,000, but that's 10 X. I literally just tried to double it as if I was raising 2 million. You guys, this is what happens. As great as my brain is sometimes, like as good as I am at math and finance, sometimes like you just witness an absolute brain fart. It's a 10X, not a 2X, Jonathan. Okay, we got it. We're back on party. So once I'm getting to the point where I'm raising 10 plus million dollars a year, that's 200,000 plus a year in just, the, and just the 2% fee, that doesn't include deals going full cycle. And, and obviously you can start to see how things compound where, you know, you're doing, let's say two or three deals a year as a passive investor. And all of a sudden, you know, three to five years starts to roll around and those two, and all of a sudden two to three deals are going full cycle and you're starting to get serious capital return to you. You can start to change your thesis and your outlook and you can start to get speculative, right? So you know, for me, right, let's say I raise $10 million, I mean, I make 200,000 just right there, right? Uh, you know, and that that's not all to me, right? Of course, I'm going to have my expenses, it costs money for attorneys, and, and the podcast costs money and, and all the things, right? But, you know, that is, you know, even if, you know, I'm taking home, 
you know, 40% of that, right. That's what 160,000 basically. Um, that's 80,000, right. So that's a livable, that's a livable salary, especially when you're getting cash flow and, and all of your investments again, like I said, right. So for me, you know, 80,000 cool. So now I can maybe, so now I've got a, a good enough salary from active income where I can maybe get speculative. So maybe I want to take 10% of that 10% of my invested, right? So for me, guys, what I'm going to do is I'm going to be investing as much as possible, right? Which is where that cash flow play comes in. So maybe now I want to get started to get more speculative. So maybe now I want to go and jump on with an operator who's doing a value add, but it's a heavy lift, right? Where, you know, they've got to re, you know, redo everything and, you know, bring maybe a B minus asset back up to an A class asset. It's going to take a lot of time, but there's going to be big equity multiple in that play, right? Because you're buying super low. It's very distressed. The asset itself needs a lot of work. So you're getting distressed, right? Distressed asset, meaning like a lot of deferred maintenance. Well, you're going to get it at a good cost, which means once you bring it, once you get it stabilized, you're, you know, you're refinancing at year three, right? So all of a sudden you're getting a return at year three and then you're staying in and now you've got a 10-year fixed rate and you've got sick cash flow. Boom, that's a speculative play right there, relatively speaking, right? So you guys can see how in the beginning it's important to really hone in and know what you want to accomplish. And as your income grows and as these deals start to go full cycle and your investable capital starts to grow, that's why it's important to understand your thesis and what you want to accomplish, because eventually you're going to have enough capital, investable capital to really deter, to really diversify and change up what you want to do. And now maybe you want to take 50,000, put it in the stock market and, and set it and forget it again, not an advisor, but if you're going to play in the stock market, I, you know, I would, I would do my, I would try to stay away from day trading unless you've got $10,000 to lose and you really don't mind losing it. And you really like to gamble. If you like to gamble, then, then do it right. Uh, it's available to you and and you can be successful there too. If you're going to do that, I would advise following a, a trader who's a, a, who has a track record and has a class like you can sign up for. You can get into these groups where they share their trades and what they're doing and all of their research and you can follow their trades and you know if they're successful and you like their their strategy then you can jump on board with them but i'm getting off on a tangent so you can see how you know by focusing in the beginning on capital preservation and having a long term outs uh, mindset you can see how things can compound right and all of a sudden 50,000 becomes you know 100,000 then next thing you know it's 200,000 and then, you know, we're in a down cycle right now, but, you know, all of a sudden, like we could get into these cycles and, you know, you look at what Rise48 did. I just had a uh, bicker on their CFO and COO and a co-founder on this week that will be out in the next few weeks. That was a really awesome episode from Rise48. They had deals during this hot cycle from 2019 to 2022, where they were going 14 months full cycle. 14, 16, 18 months. They had a few. They had like three that were within 18 months. One that was 14, one that was 16. They've exited 11. You guys, they've exited 11 since 2019, and that's only four years. So 
they're going full cycle and, and you'll hear from him why they made those decisions, but ultimately they got the equity multiple and the IRR they were looking for. And so they made the decision to sell. So I say that because by focusing on capital preservation, by doing things correctly, by getting in with good operators, you're going to start, these singles will turn into home runs. And eventually when the market starts to go back up again, all of a sudden, you know, what you thought was going to be a three to five year hold was an 18 month uh, full cycle. And boom, you've got your capital back and you're able to put that in. And then maybe one year you've got three deals that go full cycle that you invested in 18 months ago. And all of a sudden you can see how these can start to compound, but it's important to not just go out there willy nilly and throw your money around to understand why you're doing it and to do it correctly. So I really hope this helped you guys. Again, I want to reiterate, I'm not a financial advisor. Please consult attorneys, CPAs, and financial advisors before making any of your decisions. But I hope this has helped. I hope these last couple of months have been a really awesome guideline because that's what I'm going for, a guideline to help you guys determine your investment thesis and your risk tolerance. So again, thank you guys so much for listening. Thecashflowchronicles.com. Join my list. We've got some awesome deals coming. Oil and gas deal, of course, if you're accredited, that will be presenting itself soon, starting to get green lights, just working on some few final touches. Thank you guys as always for listening. I will talk to you again on Friday for the Friday follow-up. Enjoy the rest of your week and I'll talk to you soon. See you guys. Thank you again for tuning in. Who do you know that wants more cash flow? Share this episode with them so you can grow your cash flow together. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you're subscribed on your platform of choice so you never miss a new episode. Go to katanicapitalgroup.com to learn more.